So today I want to ask us this question. In regards to all the help that we need, what's our greatest help? What's the, what's the greatest need that we have? I was thinking this week of how there are so many songs, Christian and non-Christian, that focus on, on help me. Uh, there's a, a Beatles song many years ago that uh, was uh, focused on uh, the need of help. That, that song went like this. Help me if you can. I'm feeling down. And I do appreciate you being round. Oh, help me get my feet back on the ground. Won't you please, please help me? The refrain kind of went like this. Won't you please, please help me? Oh, please, please. Won't you please help me? Help, 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 help. Well, that song probably is a song that a lot of people are singing today. And uh, they're looking around for help. But I want you to know that true help comes from God. And so the question then, what is the greatest need that we have? I want to submit to you today that the greatest need that we have all the time, but especially during these troubled times, is peace. And so the scriptures have a lot to say about peace. Jesus himself had a lot to say about peace. In the gospel of John chapter 16 and verse 33, Jesus says this, in me, you may have peace. In the world, you, you will have temptation. Take heart, however, I've overcome the world. And so Jesus tells us in the Gospel of John chapter 16 and verse 33 that we can have peace, but that peace is found in him. And so there are some foundational truths that we want to look at. And there are some foundational truths that is related to scripture that we really need to grab hold of. I want you to recognize that first of all, this, this foundational truth is this, that we can experience perfect peace in troubling times when we depend upon God. And so what's our greatest need in troubling times? Peace. And what, what's the opposite of, of fear and anxiety and worry and panic? Well, I'd submit to you that it is peace. I used to talk about how the opposite of fear is courage. In fact, even this week, I asked that question to a number of people because I've been rethinking this. So what is the opposite of fear? And most of the time we'd say courage. That's the opposite. Well, I want to submit to you, and I think I'll prove this today in the use of scripture, that the opposite of fear is not courage, but believe me, we need to be courageous even God tells us in the book of Joshua that instead of being fearful, we need to be courageous. But that's an action that we need to take. So even when we're fearful, we cannot allow the fear to control us and we need to be courageous in our actions. But the opposite of fear is not just courage, it is peace. And so we find often in scripture, the word peace and, and this uh, issue of of uh, really uh, trusting God and replacing our fear with peace so often given to us. And so I want you to, if you have your Bibles as you're sitting at home even, and I know that this will be up on the screen, but I want you to look at a foundational, two really foundational verses that I want to make sure that we read. 
It's found in the book of Isaiah. You've heard me quote these verses often, verse uh, three and four. Verse three is really my life verse. Uh, it's a verse that I really have grabbed hold of even as a, a, a young, young man. And here's what Isaiah has to say to us. You, in fact, what you're gonna see on our screens really is some addition to the verse so that we can understand the verse. And so you, and that first you is really referring to God. So the Isaiah is saying this, you, God, will keep him. Now that's me and you. Keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, meaning God. Now I'm going to read the next verse, but then I'm going to come back. And, and, and he says, well, still in verse three, he says this, because he, meaning you and I, trust in you, God. Then in verse four, he says this, that we're to trust in the Lord forever. And I kind of like this translation, depending what translation you're reading this morning. But it says this, trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord God is everlasting strength. Now let's go back for a moment to verse three. Notice that the verse begins and ends with, with God. You, God, keep him, meaning you and me, in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, God. And then he tells us, because he, you and I, again, trust in you, God. So when we're thinking about peace, we need to realize that it begins and ends with God. And here in this verse, and we'll come back to this, you and I as human beings are kind of stuck in the middle here. And so he talks about God in the beginning, God at the end of the verse, and he places you and I here in the middle and talks about what our responsibility is in regards to our faith, our trust in God, and in regards to this whole issue of perfect peace. Now, when you think about peace, I don't know if you have a peaceful place that you love to go to when you're either fearful or panicking or somewhat anxious, you're worrying. Do you have a place that you like to go to? A place where you can just be maybe by yourself, maybe sometimes it's with other people, but oftentimes it's just a place that you can be all by yourself. I, for me, I, I love it when if I'm a little bit anxious or worrying, if there is some way that I can get to uh, the water and to sit near a dock and just watch boats come in and out. I, I find that so restful, so peaceful. If I was in a class at Syracuse University and they asked us in some psych class to close our eyes and to picture ourselves in some peaceful place, I would place myself <clears throat> Uh, on a dock, at a marina, near the water, where I would just be able to watch boats. And that would be my safe place, my peaceful place. I was talking to my wife this week about that, and her peaceful place, her safe place, especially years ago, would be on a horse. And so she would always be peaceful and at rest and feel safe. Uh, riding on a horse. 
And uh, fact that that was even uh, something that she could expand and she would feel safe and peaceful even if she was in a barn, not necessarily riding the horse, but just in a barn with horses where she, she's grooming the horses. And all. That was her safe place. Maybe you have one. Well, the scriptures in essence are really focused on the fact that no matter where we are, even if we are, quote, in our safe place to truly be safe and, and to enjoy perfect peace, true peace, we need to have a relationship with God. And of course, we know in the New Testament that there's only one way to have a relationship with the God of heaven, and that's to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his son, and what he did for us upon the cross of Calvary. And so when we accept Jesus as our own personal Lord and Savior, when we accept that, that he died for us and shed his precious blood for us and paid the penalty of our sins, when we put our faith and our trust in him for salvation, then he saves us and he becomes our peace. And so we have peace with God. And when we have peace with God, we, we can have peace with ourselves and and, and we could work and strive at having peace with other people as well. And so when you think about this, this Psalm 26 and verse 3 and 4, let, let's realize that this is a psalm that is a song. This, this entire uh, chapter 26 is a song that, that Israel, in essence, is going to sing when they enter into Jerusalem after the tribulation. We're guilty oftentimes of taking verses out of context and using them for so many different things to support what we really want uh, the verse to say. And, and this is a verse that I think is important for us to realize that, that uh, it's a song of praise and rejoicing about Israel's future, uh, their future deliverance from God and their national restoration. It's a song for them as they enter into Jerusalem. And when this, uh, this song is, uh, has been written, it, they were not in Jerusalem. I want you to notice even in verse 2, open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. So they haven't entered into Jerusalem yet. And so God is, is really encouraging them and helping them. I, I think that this was written during Israel's darkest times of their history you know they were surrounded by disruption like we are they were surrounded with with dejection and doubt and and despair and depression and doom and discord and uh, their hearts are filled with worry and fear I think doom and and gloom if you will were like clouds hiding the sunshine on their lives. And yet we have a God who uh, comes to them in a new way and he gives uh, them this assurance. He gives notice of his deliverance, of how he's going to pardon them, how he's going to comfort them, how he's going to restore them. And so God comes along and gives them encouraging promises. He gives them a sense of security. So when you think about this verse, though, uh, Isaiah chapter 26 and, and verse 3 especially, I want you to realize that it emphasizes our need for peace. And so he tells us, you, meaning God, keep 
him, us, in perfect peace. And so there's this, this need for peace. Shalom, shalom is uh, how it is written. And so he talks about this perfect peace. And I think that you and I need to realize that perfect peace is more than just the absence of all kinds of negative realities around us. And so it's not just having God wipe out our trials or our tribulations. It's not that God just takes away all animosity or, or uh, all bitterness and, and anger. He doesn't necessarily take away all war and uh, stress and uh, just give us everything that we would like in life. And so when we think about this perfect peace and this need for peace, that perfect peace is not just the absence of, of negative feelings. Perfect peace or this shalom is wholeness and completeness. It is blessing and fulfillment. It, it is uh, uh, you know, a freedom that we enjoy, a freedom from disturbance that is within us. It is a sound mind and heart. It is a freedom from discord in your own mind and in your own heart, regardless of what is happening around you. R.C. Sproul always refers to this perfect peace as a comprehensive well-being. And so when we talk about this perfect peace, it's God restoring what is deficient in our minds and in our hearts. It is, it is really being without any deficiency internally. And so perfect peace then is from God. That's why we find the beginning and the ending of this verse focused on God. You, God, will give us perfect peace. And, and it ends as we put our trust in the God of heaven. And so perfect peace then is from God. Perfect peace, it begins and ends with God. He is the God of peace. And so I, I think we could probably say that where God is, and we're with him, where God is, there's peace. And so are you experiencing that peace? Not just do you know about the God of peace, but are you experiencing that peace. I, th I think that this great verse, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you, emphasizes that God is the source of our peace. That, that God is the securer of our peace. If it weren't for God and what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, you and I wouldn't have peace with God. Therefore, we wouldn't have peace here on this earth with ourselves or with anyone else. That God is the supplier of peace, that God is the sustainer of peace, even during difficult times. And so <clears throat> Romans chapter five and verse one says this, having been justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so perfect peace then is something that you and I desire, something that we can't just muster up. It's something that God gives to us. So perfect peace is, is God's help. 
It's God's strength. It's God's favor. It's God's blessing on us. And it's the opposite of being fearful. I want you to just think with me for a few minutes about some great verses in scripture that talk about this peace and talk about God. A week or so ago, we talked about how Jesus Christ and his resurrected body came to his disciples. And do you remember where they were? They were in this upper room. Their hearts and minds were filled with fear. They had the doors closed and locked. They had the windows closed and locked. And they were hiding. I don't know what they were talking about, but they were hiding. Do you remember how Jesus comes in? He knows they're, they're living in fear right now. They're hiding. It's interesting that he doesn't say to them, guys, come on, be courageous. He doesn't look at them and say, you know, quote Joshua chapter one, where Moses is talking to Joshua and God is talking to Joshua and he says, you got to be courageous. Don't be fearful. Don't be hiding. But instead, three times, Jesus says to his disciples, peace be unto you. Why? Because peace is the opposite of fear. And so they needed to experience the peace of Almighty God. Peace be unto you. I think Jesus was saying to them this. May God's help and strength and favor and blessing be on you. And so Jesus was concerned about their peace. And that even in the most difficult of times, they could experience God's peace. Because he is the source, the secure, the supplier, the sustainer of that peace. Well, I want you to think with me of of John, the gospel of John, while we're thinking about Jesus as he concludes his time here on this earth saying, peace be unto you. But he also talked about peace in in other ways. We've already uh, quoted John chapter 16 and uh, verse 33. But I want you to think with me for a few minutes about John chapter 14. And uh, he begins John chapter 14 in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. But I want you to drop down to uh, verse 27. Because here he starts to talk about peace. He says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. So he's telling them. He's going to be leaving this earth. They don't really want to hear this. They, they don't want to, to really uh, grab hold of the fact that Jesus has to die and shed his blood to pay for our sins. And so they're anxious. They're fearful. They're, they're really concerned. And Jesus talks to them about peace. He says, peace, I leave with you. But it's not any old peace. It's not a peace that the world can give to you. It's my peace. And so he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give uh, to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. And so Jesus is saying this. I want want to leave you with my peace. And I want you to know that the opposite of fear is peace. I can give you 
that peace so that your life does not have to be dominated with fear and anxiety and worry. And so Jesus talks about that. Well, we talked about John chapter 20 as well, but think of other verses. I, I love the book of Philippians. I'm sure you do as well. Philippians chapter four talks about uh, the issue of worry and fear. He tells us to be anxious for nothing. And what does he connect there? Well, what he connects there with the idea of peace is that you and I need to pray. And so when we pray, who do we pray to? Well, we pray to God. And what he's emphasizing here is that this confidence that we have in God ought to cause us to run to God and to pray. And we're to take everything to him. And he tells us in in the book of Philippians, and uh, he he emphasizes in, in verses five, six, and seven, that when we pray, the, the peace of God ends up guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He tells us that that peace guards us and helps us. And so he emphasizes this issue of don't be anxious, don't be fearful, don't be worrying all the time. Be at peace. And one of the key concerns is this, that you pray to God. The person that you are to be dependent on will then give you peace. Well, I want you to just note one other verse, and then we're going to uh, look at uh, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, and our responsibility. But in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, I just want you to note one issue because it relates to what I'm going to uh, focus on in just a a minute. But in chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, the writer tells us this. Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And so he tells us that we're to strive for peace. Well, what's he mean by this? He's not talking about peace with God. He's not talking about peace within ourselves. He's talking about peace with one another. And he tells us that we're to to fight for that peace. We're we're to strive for that peace. We're to do everything we possibly can for that kind of peace. We need to be peacemakers. But I want you to realize that that verse is not a verse that is talking about how you and I have to fight or strive for peace with God. I want to submit to you that God is the one who can give us peace. No matter what we do all on our own, we can't fight for peace internally or with our heavenly father. That's a gift from God. What we ought to do as we experience that peace is make sure that we fight to be at peace with one another. Well, when you go back to Isaiah though, chapter 26 and verse three, I want you to realize that God does give us a responsibility here. And so we've kind of talked about this this need for help, this need for uh, peace. But there's one more need that you and I need to grab hold of. And I think that's the need to focus. And so here's what Isaiah has to say to us. Verse three, you, God, will keep him, you and I, in perfect peace. Because he trusts in you, but notice the middle, 
whose mind is stayed on you. And so what is a mind that's stayed on God? I want to submit to you that this this is our role. What does it mean to have a mind that stayed on God? It's not a chant that we just say, God, God, God. It's not us becoming monks in a monastery where all we do is just sit around and study the Bible and and think and, and so forth. But it is a mind that needs to be on God. It's a mind that's directed by God, his words, his will, his promises. Next week, we're going to look at four promises that are given in the book of Isaiah. Promises to Israel that that will help them to, to experience this peace of God. And Israel was to make sure that they kept their mind on the truth of God's word. And so here's the issue. Here's what I want you to understand. That when you and I fill our minds and hearts with God's word, the scriptures, the truth of God, then it's the truth of God that brings trust to us. And then God gives us the peace. I want you to see that again. So here's a verse that begins with God, ends with God, and we're in the middle. And so he tells us that that God is the God who gives us perfect peace. And he tells us that we need to trust in God. So how do we trust in God? Well, the more we're focused on the truth of his word, the more that we know about him, the more that we trust him. He doesn't tell us that the more we trust, the more we're going to work up peace. No, he says this, the more that we trust God, the more we experience his perfect peace. And so the key then for us is that we might focus more on him. There's a, uh, I I quoted the Beatles song. Well, you realize that that's not coming from a Christian standpoint, but I was thinking this week of songs as well that focus on, you know, biblical issues. And uh, I got thinking about a song that many of us um, have sung, uh, especially in the past and it's a song that uh, some of us love, Like a River Glorious. You remember that song? Well, it was written by a woman, Frances Havergal. And Frances Havergal was sick near unto death when she uh, wrote this hymn, Like a River Glorious. And I get thinking about that, and I decided that I wanted to understand a little bit of the history of it and where she, how she came up with this. Well, she clearly used... Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, but she also used Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 12 as she wrote this great hymn. Here's verse 12. For thus says the Lord, behold, I will extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall nurse, you shall be carried upon her hip and bounced upon her knees. And so here's the great hymn. Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace. Over all victorious is its bright increase. Perfect yet it floweth, fuller every day. Perfect yet it groweth, deeper all the way. Here's the refrain, stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding as he promised, 
perfect peace and rest. The second stanza reads like this. Hidden in the hollow of his blessed hand, never foe can follow, never traitor stand. Take note, not a surge of worry, not a shade of care, not a blast of hurry touched the spirit there. Why? Because stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding as he promised, perfect peace and rest. You see, here's what Isaiah is telling us, that God will keep us in perfect peace when you and I focus our attention on the truth of the scriptures, on his word, which is timeless truths, on his promises, on his perfections, the more we get to know him in his word, the more our trust grows. And the more our trust grows, the more we enjoy his perfect peace. You see, I can't tell you, you need to go find a peaceful place and there's where you'll find peace. I'm not going to tell you that there's 10 things you need to do to enjoy, to to find perfect peace. I'm going to tell you one thing, one thing that God tells us, that perfect peace is from God, that the key is to trust God. And so what is it that we're to do? We're to focus on him, his holy word, the holy scriptures, God's timeless truths will help us to trust him because the more we know him, the more we will trust him and the more we will then enjoy that perfect peace that only he can give to us. And so I want you to realize this, that God has a glorious future that he has planned for all those who trust his word. And you can't say you trust him if you don't trust his word. I want to uh, close in prayer. Pastor Taylor is going to come up and uh, close the service itself. But I want to close, and I know he will as well, with a blessing. If you have your Bibles, it's found in the Old Testament book of Numbers in chapter 6. And uh, it is a benediction, a blessing. Here's what it says. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I pray that God would grant you peace. Because that peace is the opposite of being fearful and anxious and worrying and panicking. And so this blessing calls for God's peace to be upon his people. What's his people? Well, his people are those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They've understood that they're sinners, that there's no way they can work their way to heaven and that they need to accept what Jesus did for them on the cross of Calvary. They then enter into that redemptive relationship with the eternal son of God. And this blessing calls for God's peace to be upon his people. The calling for a face-to-face communication with the creator. That's what he's emphasizing when he's saying, 
the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so it's saying that God gives us his attention without distraction. It's saying peace is from God. So may we all believe that God is the source of peace, that he has secured it for us on the cross. And may we now experience it and enjoy it. Let's pray. 